This is Steve, the cookout coach, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! Do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. And unlike Andrew Eshbaugh just pointed out in the chat, this is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe, happy to have you. Maybe you thought that this is the week. You're throwing caution to the wind. You're going to jump in. Here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQ centralshow.com and here's what's happening coming up in about 13 minutes from now 12 minutes from now first timer to the show incredibly accomplished competition pit master somebody that's into the business of barbecue as well with i believe a food truck has restaurant roots or uh, culinary roots at least and this past weekend Handed out ass whoopings as he took grand championship at an event in Kansas that we'll also recap. Also, we'll be talking about the state of competition barbecue and how it looks to his team. He's second overall in KCBS Team of the Year points race. I am, of course, talking about first-timer Chris Schaefer from Heavy Smoke. Very excited about that. We'll move to 35 past the hour after we're done with Chris where we will find fourth Tuesday of the month regular guest Derek Riches. Derek was out last week, so we will get a report from him on why the hell he would miss the most important barbecue and grilling show ever in his monthly spot, no less. And then after that, after he's done lying to all of us, then we will go ahead and see what's happening in the world of Derek and how his 2020 is unfolding, anything that he's been toying around with. Remember, I love to have Derek on because he is unabashed as far as sharing an opinion and his take on certain things, but he also is a guy that tests a lot of gadgets and grills and gives his unbiased opinion. So uh, we'll see what he's been up to in that regard. So if you have some expendable cash laying around and who doesn't in these crazy times, then he might have some items that you might want to consider if you're out for purchase. Then we'll move to the second hour. And again, since it is the fourth Tuesday of the month, you know what that means. It's the Embedded Correspondence, or 
as I would say, the malfeasance of the barbecue community. And I'm telling you right now, I say it every fourth Tuesday of the second hour, this literally could be the most incredible live fire embedded correspondence segment we have ever had. We might not even get past two topics because they are full of opinion, full of debate. The second one, which is technically the first one, but we're doing a throwaway right up front. But the second one was laid down or a edict from me last month as we were getting ready to close out the embedded correspondence and we were talking about fast food sandwiches or whatever the hell we were talking about. Or maybe somebody said, are you going to try the Subway rib sandwich? And half of us summarily said, no, that would be John and myself. But Rusty and Doug both said, oh, we are all about trying the rib sando from Subway. And then at the close, I said, you know what? I'm throwing it down. All four of us within the month have to go and have one and get ready for review And I am waiting with bated breath, as I'm sure you are, as to how the reviews are going to lay out here. And I just had mine two days ago, so I'm fresh on review. I let it lay out. To be honest, I just totally forgot about it because I'm not overly jazzed about trying a Subway rib sando. But I did it for the good of the show and because I said everybody else has to do it, so I have to do it. I I think I worked my way out of a challenge one time. I could never do that again. So embedded correspondence in the second hour. If you want to jump in during that time, phone call, email, 216-220-0966, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snappy Snaps slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. Let me start out this week with this, and it's going to be a little self-indulgent, so forgive me, but I am a great guest for shows, period, radio shows, podcasts, whatever format. Recently, for instance, I was on the Grill Coach podcast and the Eat More Barbecue podcast. I was on WGN Radio with friend of show Dane Neal a month ago. I was a weekly in-studio guest each Friday morning for the John Cupo show here locally in Cleveland for over a year. I was poised to take over that show, but that's a completely different topic for a completely different day. I digress. All that to say this, I'm really good at being a guest. If I do say, uh, if I do say so myself, think about it. I know everyone in the industry. I have an opinion on everything in the industry and I have takes for days and I know how to talk in complete sentences. My command of the English vernacular is unparalleled. I can work blue. I can work clean. I can take the contrarian position each and every time if you prefer. I can be bad cop to your good cop. I can work off an outline or I can go total improv. In other words, I am a freaking talent. Just ask me. Better yet, just book me. If I'm not the best guest you've had on whatever show it is that you do, I will refund you whatever you pay me plus double the price. A lot of you, that's going to be zero dollars. Also, I have the ability to connect you as a guest in all of the most technical ways possible. So if you have an ISDN connection, I can connect to you that way. If you want to connect through uh, TalkBack Live, I can do that. If you want to do Clean Feed, I can do that. If you want to do VMix, I can do that. 
Skype, I can do that. If you want to have me sound like complete crap, I can still connect to you via phone. I can do all of that. So don't wait because it's really starting to book up. Book me now. Again, really good guest bringing the heat. As a matter of fact, as I look back on the Grill Coach podcast, I took to task one of the three hosts for poo-pooing all over gas grilling. I took him to task. I said, you know what? You're alienating a really large part of your audience. Now, I don't know if you're doing it to be cute or not or whatever, but you might want to be all things to all people, at least initially, before you really get traction and then you want to start laying down your takes or your opinions. But I am not a crapper on gas cooking whatsoever. I would like to think over the dozen years I've been doing the show, my thoughts have changed a little bit. My position on things have changed a little bit. I've become a little less jagged and jaded. Well, maybe not jaded, but definitely a little bit jagged. So I was listening to the most recent episode of the Pitmasters podcast, or the Grill Coach, I'm sorry. That's another one I listened to. I was listening to the most recent episode of the Grill Coach podcast. They were talking about the Weber Kettle, and so they gratuitously talked about gas grilling up front and just murdered it. And they throw their co-host Frankie to the wolves. They have branded him with the scarlet letter of being the gas griller guy on the panel. His hate for gas cooking in general is unabashed. And to a degree, I actually respect it because he's really holding firm. But he might want to slow his roll on that whole thing. And he also weighed in via email on the covering. He doesn't cover the grills. If a grill was so cheap that some of the elements would bust up, it just doesn't deserve to be in the stable. Hey, Jay, you're a snob. Beat it. Come on. Also, he says, I would be too lazy to go back out after that thing has cooled down to cover it. It's the same reason I leave all my thermometers outside. My head is spinning. You're too lazy to go outside and cover your grills. And you leave what I can only assume is a fairly expensive thermometer outside because you're too lazy to take it outside. What if it rains? I know you guys are in SoCal and it's all paradise out there. Not Lance, uh, not Lance Paradise in Hawaii, but paradise nonetheless in SoCal. Come on, Jay. Be less lazy. Be less lazy. You can do it. All right. When we come back, we will have Chris Schaefer on the show. I'll talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Attention anyone who loves sausage and barbecue. I think that's everybody that listens to this show. Established in 1882. Southside is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Famous for the original beef sausage, coarse ground, and a natural pork casing. And they have authentic Central Texas barbecue meats like brisket and so forth. All meats, including those prime biscuits, slow-smoked over real Texas post-oak wood for hours and hours on end, shipping nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. 
Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later, include a custom gift note, mail to multiple addresses without additional charges. All shipped items are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer as they arrive. The meats are processed in their own on-site USDA-inspected facility. Who else has that besides Pat LaFrieda? On-site meat markets for fresh and smoked products. Custom orders are welcome. Three restaurants, Elgin, Texas since 1882, Bastrop since 2014, and the latest one is Austin, Texas. Ever heard of Austin, Texas? Grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states. As you are shopping through SouthsideMarket.com, use the checkout code BBQ Central to get 10% off your entire order. That's right, BBQ Central. 10% off the entire online order each and every time that you visit. So it's not just the first time. No, no. Every time. Take advantage of it. BBQ Central. We are back with Chris Schaefer from Heavy Smoke. Stick around. We'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, this portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher's Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, and grilling oils. All Butcher Barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher. Hey, it's been a minute since we've talked about competition barbecue on this show, mostly because of how many events have been canceled or postponed, especially the big ones. Joining me in the first spot tonight is coming off a GC in Kansas this past weekend. The team currently ranked number two in KCBS Team of the Year points, and he's also the host of All That for Six Pieces of Barbecue podcast, which can be found on all the podcast platforms. So we race to the hotline. Welcome first-timer to the show, the pitmaster of Heavy Smoke, Chris Schaefer, joining me here on the show. Hey, Chris, how are you, pal? Hey, what's up, buddy? I am uh, doing fabulous. Appreciate you joining me here this evening, Chris. So uh, we'll get yeah. into the background and all that stuff. But let's go ahead and recap this past weekend. I uh, snag another GC. I think this might be two in three contests or something like that. So uh, you were at the Smoke on the Bricks comp in Baldwin City, Kansas. Yep. How many contests have you actually gotten in this year? Um, that was my 14th contest. I got one before COVID broke down and then, uh, I've cooked 13 cents. So I have that one. I hadn't had one for a couple, uh, a few weeks. I, I, I GC'd both days of a double in, uh, in July, I guess it was, but, um, so I got four on the year now. Are you doing multiple sanctioning bodies or is everything just KCBS for you at this point? Now it's KCBS. Um, last year I split between St. Louis barbecue society and Kansas city barbecue society and, when you do that, it makes it real hard to chase points in either of them. So uh, this year, I kind of figured I'd make a run and, and see what I could do in the KCBS side. I'm not overly familiar with St. Louis. Um, 
I know about it. I've given results. I've talked about some teams. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of intermingling between the two sanctioning bodies. But how do you find the St. Louis Barbecue Society to compare and contrast to a KCBS or an FBA? Yeah, so as far as the rules are concerned, it's identical. You still turn in six pieces. Um, you know, the points are weighted the same. The, a perfect score in SLBS is a 225 instead of a 180. Um, but as far as everything else is, it's, it's the same. You get six minutes before the window and six minutes after where KCBS is five and five. But other than that, it's, like, it's the same. Uh, the best thing about it is that you can cook 10 to 15 competitions and never get more than like an hour and a half outside of St. Louis. So it's kind of like living in Kansas City to where you got a KCBS within driving distance every week. Um, and SLBS kind of it does that for those St. Louis teams. And as far as like quality of teams, they're some of the best teams in the country cooking SLBS because they can't travel too much. And um, my buddy, like Brian from maybe in St. Louis, he's an SLBS team primarily, but he's sitting fifth in the world for KCBS ribs right now with only nine cooks. So there's guys that can cross over and do very well. Last weekend, there were 43 teams total showing up at this event in Kansas. Is it spaced out much differently? I mean, it seems like you've done a, a number of them since things have started to open back up, you know, whatever that means. But how are you finding events to be for social distancing guidelines or people just staying away from each other? How is that actually happening? Yeah, it's not much different for the teams. You know, we're always kind of in our spots. Um, got the dog going crazy. It's outrageous. Um, yeah. Um, he doesn't bark all day until I get on here. So, yeah, so, you know, the teams are always fairly socially distant. Um, you know, we kind of stay in our spots and don't move around a whole lot. The, the biggest difference has been, you know, turning in with masks and gloves on. And I think in the judges' quarters that they're, they're really, uh, you know, doing more precautions than we are because, you know, we, we've always been kind of distant. Um, we kind of stay in our spots and, and move around some, but for the most part, we stay away from each other and pretty clean. Did you notice that as you were starting to venture back out onto the competition scene that were humans and people just wanted to get together and be like, hey, haven't seen you in a while and stuff like that? Or were people right off the bat pretty able to, to stay apart? Well, it's funny. There's like a clear cut line between the people that want to stay apart and the people that don't. Like most of us are, you know, doing our 707 beers and the 922s, 911s, 1030s, and then there's teams that are wearing masks in their spots and you like walk towards them and they're like, hey, hey, hey what are you doing? You know, so like it's a clear cut line. But for the most part, everyone's kind of just business as usual. Are any of the teams talking about it or uh, is it something that you can tell by, you know, who's there to compete that um, people missed this and they want to be involved and this is a... Uh, you know, whatever perceived risk that they're taking, they're okay in, in showing up to do that. Yeah. And then there's teams that are cooking less. Um, and when you talk to them, there's reasons behind that, you know, they're, they're cooking a lot less or um, there's those same teams that you walk up to them and you, maybe you tap elbows instead of shaking hands or fist bumping. Um, but for the most part, everyone's just dying to cook and just wanting to get out there. And, and there, there's so many comps now that got 50, 60 teams as opposed to the 25, 30 that they had before because comps canceling, but there's still a good mix of teams that just want to get out there and cook. What was the most disappointing competition to cancel this year? I mean, you had Memphis in May, you had the Royal, you had the Jack, uh, just to name a few. Those are probably three of the biggest ones at any course of the year. But was there one that went away that you were particularly disappointed about? 
it's got to be the Royal. Um, the Royal is like the only place that you can get together and see all of your friends. And, you know, when you, when you cook all over the country, you make friends in different parts. And I've got guys that I cook against in Michigan and people in Arkansas and, and uh, people that come up from Georgia and things. And that the Royal is the only place where you see all of those people at the same time. And so that's disappointing. And plus, you know, it's a world championship. It's a big deal. It's you, you want to go see how your stuff does at a comp like that. So it's uh Sucks is gone. How do you compare those two? Uh, it's the age-old question, especially here on this show, where if I told you you could win one or the other, is it the American Royal Invitational? Is it the American Royal Open? Or is it the Jack Daniels? Which one would you choose to win and why? I would choose the American Royal Invitational. Um, I feel like you know you got to get an invite to get there. Um, you're going to cook against 200 other grand champions that, that had to get the invite to get there. Um, but if you ask, you know, ask a guy that won the open, he's going to say the open. You ask a guy that won the Jack, he's going to say the Jack, you know, um, I, I went to the Jack for the first time last year and I really enjoyed it because it was the Jack, but at the same time, you know, it, the way they do some judging and things. And, um, it seems more of a crapshoot than maybe some of the other ones, but anytime you got a big comp judging is going to, going to have some issues. Where are you going to be at next? Next week, I'm in Nevada, Missouri. Um, it's kind of fun because all the guys that we're running points against are we're going to be cooking against each other pretty much every weekend um, here on out. So I won this competition last year, so kind of hoping to repeat that. How do you see the rest of the year panning out? Do you see still competitions falling off, or do you think, you know, when I was, uh, not to uh, digress too much, but as I was thinking about when everything was down and everything was, uh, shutting down or postponing that there would be maybe a time where in September or whatever, uh, everything would just be kind of back to normal, especially in the competition circuit. So you've removed, let's say, three or four months out of a competition season where the teams that are in it for team of the year have really started to stretch out and put that gap that you typically see every year where it's between one or two teams and they're just you know battling it down. Here, you have almost like a NASCAR race situation where it's a lot more compressed and you can yeah. cook 10 really good contests and be in the mix with a whole bunch of other really great teams that had the shapings up of being pretty exciting, and it really hasn't been over the last couple of years. Uh, how do you see it playing out? Well, you know, nobody this year can really get more than like 25, 30 cooks. Like, it's not possible. They right. don't have enough comps out there. So there's nobody cooking 45, 50 and just running away with this thing, and that's that's fun. Um, you know, you've got a guy like Man Meat who's been cooking out of his mind. You know, he's top five almost every comp he's in, but he's only got one GC. And so he's got to start winning some GCs to pick up some points at this point. And then, you know, you got people like Smoke Me Silly that they, they only got nine comps in and they take your top 10. So once they get to 10, you know, they're going to come up there. Um, and so it's going to be real fun because, you know, all those competitions in October, like every weekend's going to matter now. I mean, there's going to be a lot of jockeying for first place and, and once these guys, you know, Brad and, and uh, Matt and Bobby, you know, these guys all got, you know, like a, a 12, a 14, you know, with a, something like that that needs to be replaced. And once we all start replacing those bad comps, then it'll, it'll get closer and closer. And then uh, it'll be fun, man. It's, it might come down to see, you know, whoever wins the last one of the year might take it all. Chris Shea for joining me here on the show, Pitmaster of Heavy Smoke, coming off of GC this past weekend in Kansas. So let's back out just for a second, Chris and talk about the background and how you got into barbecue. As I had done a little research, it looked like you were in the culinary word, uh, world to some degree, whether it was like through restaurants or maybe you were just cooking. But how do you, uh, I guess, what's the culinary and then how does that transition into barbecue? 
Yeah. So I cooked all through high school and college. Um, and, uh, the, the guy who kind of trained me and cooked with me, um, back then is now my business partner, the food trucks. So we've been cooking together for, you know, 20 some odd years, but after college, I kind of went in the business world and, and, um, you know, was just doing that thing. And a friend of mine was doing competition barbecue and he's like, Oh, well, you've cooked before. Maybe you should come check this out. So I went with him and started cooking chicken for that team. And then, you know, it was kind of history from there. Um, but you know, my culinary backgrounds really helped. I, I, I think I have one of the better palates of people that I know. Usually I can try your recipe and tell you, Hey, it's got too much of this or needs more of that. And it helps me on the cutting board, 15 minutes before turn ends. I can try something. I know how to fix it. Like, they talk about Tim Shear as one of the best palates of the country, and and he's all about fixing barbecue in the last fifteen minutes to win comps, and I think that helped me a lot. I remember talking to Tuffy Stone originally when I had first had him on, or the first couple times, and he said, "Because this is a, a classically trained culinary chef," and he said, "Man, I yep. thought once we got into the barbecue stuff, I was just going to be able to like roll in and blow everybody out of the water. I was going to bring my techniques and all this other stuff, this experience that I had." And he ended up laying eggs all over the place. Did you think when you got in because of that culinary background, you would have a similar success or did you already know better at that point? I knew better. Um, you know, I, my friend had been doing it for a little bit and he really had a couple calls here and there. So I went to the first one, not really expecting a whole lot, you know, and I think, I think the first time I cooked chicken, I got 42nd out of 47 teams and I was kind of stoked that I wasn't dead ass last, you know, um, and so uh, from there, you know, it, it just took a lot of practicing. But, you know, one thing I got from the the culinary background is like that practice makes perfect. You know, you don't make a perfect noodle the first time you make a noodle. Um, you know, you don't cook a steak perfect the first time you do it. And then a term that, you know, I'm sure that Tuffy's very familiar with is mise en place, which just means everything in its place. And so when you work in a kitchen or have a culinary background, um, you know, when you, if you walk into my my trailer at a comp, everything's exactly the same place every single time. And I'm never looking for anything. Um, everything is in its place. And, you know, you get that from working at a kitchen. Chris, how much of what you were doing back in 2011 when you started is the same as what you're doing now? <sighs> Man. Um, Anything? <laughs> I, still, I, I, I still scrape skins. That's about it. I feel like I feel like as the years go on, I'm becoming the minority on a guy that scrapes skins. Everyone's trying to get away from it, but uh, uh, I mean, a lot of it. I mean, a lot of it has changed. I mean, it went from very basic to almost a science over the course of a couple of years, and I think that's what took me from getting no calls to getting GCs was um, the details. Chris Shea for joining me here on the show from Heavy Smoke. In 2011, you think back, in 2020 or just this past weekend, uh, you look at where the state of competition barbecue is right now. What was better about competition barbecue in 2011? Well, this is kind of a loaded question because, you know, back, <laughs> yeah, you just shake your head like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, back then, it was less clicky. And so, like, you know, everybody kind of hung out and a lot of people were intense and it was easier to, like, get around and talk to people and do that kind of thing. But that's really not better for me because I've been around a long time and I know all those guys. So even if there's clicks, it's like I'm, I'm able to go walk into the click and talk to those guys, you know. But I think for a new guy getting started, it's a whole lot harder now to just walk up to somebody and, and talk. And it's not because of those people don't want you talking to them. It's because of like they've been turned into celebrities and people feel bad going and bothering them. But if anybody wants to go talk to Matt Walker from Boomerang at any time, Matt's going to welcome him in. Matt's going to talk to him about barbecue. But we've built these people up so much as like barbecue legends that people are scared to go talk to them. Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting take. And 
I always thought that the way things have progressed on the competition field is uh, clicky, and I guess my follow-up was going to be, is it clicky or is it just the fact that nobody's accessible because everybody's in a trailer or in a toy hauler or just not out and about like they were 15 to 20 years ago? Yeah, and, and everyone's in these giant rigs, these 44-foot yeah. toy haulers and things like that. And I got a 22-foot trailer. I feel like I'm a homeless compared to some of these guys. And <laughs> um, But, like, the, the, the reality is, is that, like, if any of us are outside of our trailer, we're probably not working. We're probably not doing anything. If we're in the trailer, maybe, maybe let us do our thing, you know. Um, but unless the weather's bad, I think a lot of us spend a lot of time in front of our trailers hanging out. Chris, you're currently 19 episodes into the All That for Six Pieces of Barbecue podcast. What's the motivation for starting the show? You know, uh, my buddy, you know, Rob Honky, who co-hosts with me, he had another podcast that he's been doing for a year, two years maybe, you know. And then um, and COVID hit, and we were just bored. That's really all I could say is that I was like, man, let's just, you know, we know a bunch of guys. I'm sure we can call a Brad Leininger or a Tim Shear and see if they'll come on the show and um, you know, he had all the equipment and everything and we just tried to fire it up and do it. And then, um, it kind of took off and we just really enjoy it. It's, it's a blast to do. Uh, we're at the point now that we're, we're so busy, um, between everything we're doing, I'm cooking every weekend and, and Rob's got about, you know, five, five irons in the fire at every time that it's hard for us to get together, get these podcasts done. Um, but we're trying to make, make it a point to get in there and we've missed a week here and a week there. Um, but it's, it's just such a, such a blast. I mean, we just wanted to, just have some real pit masters kind of like sit down and be like, Hey, I've, I've, I'm cooking 20 comps a year. You're cooking 20 comps a year. Let's talk about it. You know, do I have to take you to podcast school and tell you why not releasing on a consistent schedule is a detriment, Chris? No, I know, man. I know it's awful. <laughs> I really do. You know? Um, but we, you know, we have such weird instances. I, we had a show that, uh, we were supposed to be doing and, um, <laughs> Rob called me about, I don't know, 30 minutes before the show. And he goes, Hey, I just got stung by a hornet and I'm allergic to going to the hospital. Oh. I'm like, um, Oh, okay. <laughs> like, well, I'll just do it anyways. You know, like just suck it up buttercup. I mean, so like, you know, there, we had some situations like that too. From a podcast listener standpoint, uh, I uh, do subscribe to it. I've listened to probably 16 of the 19 episodes. And first and foremost for me, the audio is there, which is really important because most podcasts are audio only. Some, I guess, have video, but the audio is there, which I appreciate. But then it's the insight, because as a successful pitmaster, it's always cool to hear you talk shop with uh, Travis Clark or uh, Luke Darnell or you know, you name it, uh, who you've had on the show. And, and you're asking questions that maybe I wouldn't think of uh, to ask, and yeah. you're able to, they, they might seem a little bit more at ease to let it all hang out with you versus maybe being a little bit more guarded on this kind of a show. Yeah, I think um, sometimes on a podcast, they almost feel like they're attacked or like uh, uh, attacked isn't the right word, but they're like, oh, Greg's going to try to get me. They're going to trip me up on something to where with me, it's like, oh, no, we cook against this guy every week. He's just going to BS with us. But I get a lot of good information out of some of these guys, you know, um, we're trying to get back to recording a couple episodes at a time. That way we don't ever, you know, miss a week. But I'm actually recording with Travis tomorrow so you'll get your Travis Clark episode. All right. Well, I mean, he's a great interview and obviously likes to let it go with both barrels. Uh, do you do you kind of miss seeing him out on the competition circuit? I mean, it's it's really weird this year, obviously, but I don't think he was going to be out nearly as much given the responsibilities that he's got with the restaurant. No, I don't miss him at all. He wins a lot. <laughs> right. he, he, keep, he keep his ass in the restaurant. 
Yeah. Big restaurant too, by the way. Uh, so well, good luck with that. I, I can't wait to hear that. Is that going to release like within a week or you got to trim that up and, and uh, string it yeah, out a little bit? We've recorded a couple. So we recorded with Aaron Stoffer and uh, Matt Barber tonight. Um, so Aaron's will come out Thursday. Matt Barber's will be next week. And then the week after that will be Travis. And the week after that will be Heath Riles. This past weekend, he took another GC out in Kansas uh, amongst 42 other teams, 43 total, but he just won it. It is Chris Schaefer, the pitmaster of Heavy Smoke. Chris, really appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much for doing it. Thanks for having me on, bud. You got it. There he is, Chris Schaefer, right there on the Barbecue Central show, and that's great. Um, look, again, from a competitor's standpoint and from a, a podcast standpoint, it's dialed in. The audio is there, and again, the questions are good. So if you are into more of a competition spun podcast, then that's definitely one that you're going to want to check out. And from what I've been seeing here in the instant chat, Chris's food truck is absolutely phenomenal. So if you're in that St. Louis area and you are looking for some great barbecue, by the way, St. Louis uh, happens to be a really great barbecue area, then check out the Heavy Smoke food truck. And watch out for him on the competition circuit because he's got two GCs in the last three. He's won back-to-back grands at doubles this year, so he's on a roll. Watch out. Momentum is following him. By the way, we all know what happens when you show up on this show and then you go compete the following weekend. It's a win. So all the other teams, I'm sorry you're battling for second place because show karma has fully been installed. All right, that was Chris Schaefer from Heavy Smoke. Before we get to Derek Riches, I will talk to you about Pits and Spits. Since 1983, Pits and Spits, handcrafting smokers and grills right there in Houston, Texas, along with all the other great pit manufacturers. And that time, Pits and Spits, establishing itself as one of the premier brands in high-quality offset smokers. And more recently, pellet cookers. Pits and Spits sets itself apart by using heavy 7- and 10-gauge steel in every cooker, fully welded construction that you can feel. When you use the unit in 304 stainless steel roll top lids and front shelves on every single smoker. So why does it matter? Well, using higher quality materials, pits and spit smokers reach and maintain temperatures, allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat. And by providing a fully welded smoker, you don't have to worry about the grease and smoke leaking out of the barrel or worrying about that grill rattling apart as you roam it through the backyard. They also use stainless steel on the 304 version, getting you a heirloom quality product. You can pass down to your kids and maybe the kids' kids. You get the lineage. Where some companies focus on being a low-cost provider, Pits and Spits focuses on craftsmanship and using quality materials. Are there cheaper ways to do this? Yes. They don't like tack welds, cheap stainless, electronics you can't trust. Having in-house manufacturing gives them complete control of their design and standard. That's not something you're going to find in stuff that's brought in from overseas. Their steel suppliers supply materials to be used in some of the harshest environments so you know they're going to perform wherever they go. And their controllers, by the way, made right here in USA, so they're able to have unimpeded transparency into their programming. Pits and Spits has a dealer network across the country. If you can't find one close to you, call them in the shop, 844-650-6250. That's 844-650-6250. 6250. Whether you are a backyard grill master cooking steaks for the family or a competition team cooking 50 racks of ribs, Pits and Spits has a product for you. you check out all the products at pitsandspits.com, all spelled out, or see their pits in the wild across social media at their handle, Pits and Spits. 
That is also spelled out P-I-T-T-S and A-N-D Spitz. We are back with the fourth Tuesday regular Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. Stick around. We'll be right back. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets. For all the pellet-driven cookers out there on the market, visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. Whichever you prefer. CB just likes that you buy them. Why not? Cookinpellets.com. Hey, it is the fourth Tuesday of the month. That means it's time to go to the hotline and welcome in one of the most respected barbecue journalists in the biz. He is a Barbecue Central Show guest hall of famer. You can check him out writing at DerekRiches.com. We go to the hotline and welcome back Derek Riches. Hey, Derek. You there, Derek? Oh, dear. Hold on. This could be on my side. Uh, No, I got no audio on you, Derek. Reasons why we test. Dear. Hmm. Let's see if we can get him back here. Try connecting back in, Derek. D D connect and reconnect, as they say. Here I go. I'll see him pop back in. I got a whole new setup tonight. I toyed with it in the open, but I wasn't gonna get to. It. That's gotta be one of the best TV themes, I think. Tic-Tac-Toe's theme is great. I still got nothing, Derek, unfortunately. I can see you. I cannot hear you. I know the audio is working. 
Uh, you want to try Skype? You can uh, call me on Skype and go ahead and answer your call. Oh, I got to figure out how I'm going to put his video up. Oh, boy. That's going to, uh, you know what? I probably just won't. I'll probably just keep the shot on me. How about that? Everybody's not tuning in to see Derek. Listen to Derek. Tuning in to see me for crying out loud. I continue to maintain that um, Tic-Tac-Toe is a great theme song. Oh, Derek. Derek? Yeah. Okay, I think I can hear you. Right, there we go. No, uh, yeah, there we go. Can you hear me for sure? Maybe not. Derek. No. We are working the nerves now. It's just you know these are things that happen. Of course. Let's see. Roll through the chat here. See what everybody's up to. Everyone take a drink. That's right. Dan Rodriguez missing the... You there, Derek? Uh, oh, you are there. Yes. Hot damn. Look at you. What did we learn? We learned nothing because there wasn't uh, anything wrong. How could that be? I don't know. I hmm. nothing. I didn't change anything. It was working fine before. All right. Well, it was working. It's uh, what they call those internet gremlins that are. Yeah, maybe. Running maybe the around. internet isn't quite as reliable as we thought it was. Oh, I'm pretty sure we knew that for some time at this point. So, uh, hey, we missed you last month, by the way. So, uh, what are you up to? Where you're missing your assigned duties? Oh, sorry about that. Yes. I just, yeah. I've just been swamped with other projects, so. Don't tell me you were home and you missed it. You were out of town, of course. Where would I go? Oh, no. <laughs> you were home? And, I mean, come on. Well, I did. Ten I minutes, did it's some, a ten-minute break. I mean, it's like a, yeah. a stroll in the park, a stroll in the barbecue park. I had I had, I had, had some stuff to take care of with my kid. And ah, okay. Well, that's different. In Virginia, straightening out stuff on her end, so. Oh, is that a college thing? Yeah, because oh. she's supposed to be in Boston. What does that mean? It, it's I'm, it, it's convoluted it, it's, and none it, of my it's business. It's convoluted. <laughs> I could tell you the whole story, but we'll wow. be here about an hour. Wow, we all right. Well, uh, I mean, is everybody healthy at least? Yeah, everyone everyone's fine, but it's just there's been some evacuations and rearranging stuff and oh my. finding places to live. Wow. Well, I have some I have some kind of story that's whipping up in my head, and I think I'm just going to leave it there for now, and then I okay, will uh, check it. I will check in with you offline to see how far off base I possibly am. All right. So <laughs> I was just talking with Chris Schaefer, and you know he's a very successful pitmaster, and his 2020 has evolved into something a little bit different. So from a competition side of things, 
it might be one of the more exciting years that we have seen because everything is compressed. Uh, as he had mentioned, teams might not be able to get any more in than 20 or 25 competitions where yeah. those that are really running for team of the year stretch out 45 and 50 competitions sometimes in those years uh, when they're really getting right down to the end. So uh, as we are you know, past middle of 2020, how does business and the world of Derek look like in 2020? Uh, it's just been kind of chaos, really. I mean, you know, I, I've been trying to track what's been going on, you know, in a, on a retail end and what, you know, is going on with consumers. I keep hearing, you know, this store is out of this kind of brand of charcoal or wood pellets are running out in this location or, uh, but, you know, all the people in the industry I've been talking to have been having a year so good, they're starting to worry about next year, really. You know, I mean, we've seen a lot of grills, a lot of um, smoker sales really high this year. We've got a lot of people staying home, they're cooking, they're upgrading their equipment. Um, and now, you know, I've been talking with some people and they're like, well, we may have to, you know, save up some of this to write out next year because, you know, I mean, other than fuels and accessories and those items, the grills themselves might just kind of drop. I mean, it's happened in the past where we've had, you know, a big boom and then kind of a couple of bad years. So do you remember the last year where it was, you know, this much, uh, as far like incrementally this much better than it was in a year over year normal sense? Well, you know, right now it's still a little too early to get kind of the full numbers, but we had a huge surge in 2002. Um, you know, people were kind of staying in, doing more family time, and uh, there was a big boom there. And then we kind of had this petering out for a couple of years where, you know, people didn't need to buy a new grill. They didn't buy, need to buy a new smoker. So it kind of dropped out for a while. But, you know, it's still a little too early, and there's really no good sales statistics at this point. Well, I remember really having gauge. a conversation with Noah Glanville over at Pit Barrel. This might have been uh, mid to late April. And he said, hey, we have already chalked up 2020 as a throwaway year. Uh, it, things are so good and things are flying off the shelves. We can't look back on 2019 and say, hey, we really missed our upswing or our gain in market share for 2020 drastically. Likewise, he's like, we can't sit here and forecast 2021 off of what's happening in 2020, so we're just going to yeah. scrap it. We'll take what we can get. We're happy that right. we're uh, better than above water, but as far as saying, okay, well, we're going to do 2 or 3% better than what we're doing in 2020 is absolutely ridiculous to say. So it sounds like that they would go back to a 2019 reforecast in that regard. Do you think that that's what a lot of businesses are doing, that they're going to look back a year removed and say let's reforecast for 2021 yeah i think there's a lot of that going on um because that's the smart thing to do is to literally just kind of drop these numbers out of your sales figures and just say hey it's a fluke we can't we can't predict the future based on this um we'll see how much uh change has gone on uh you know pellet girls have continued to be really really big and so you know that's something that kind of has to be factored in for some of the manufacturers to say you know are we you know is gas going to really tank for 21 um 
and is that where the the, the fall is going to be? Because do, do you think you know, that that could happen? Kind of do you factor. think gas is going to tank? Could that really be a case? I mean, to me, it seems like it's novel to talk about, but the realistic person is going to say, if you're going into the market to get something, it's probably going to be a gas grill. Yeah, no, gas grill still outsell everything. So, uh, and they will continue to do so. I mean. Gas grills will still be the mainstay of backyard cooking until we run out of propane. So, um, uh, yeah, but it's just, you know, where is that impact going to come from? And, you know, how does 21 shape up? Because it's just, it's, it's, you're going to, have to play it by ear. It's just going to be a really con- weird year. How do we see the rest of the year? spinning out here from a product standpoint from a production standpoint i know when we were going back and forth you've seen as you said you'd saw uh, fuel shortages charcoal shortages uh, probably more due to the fact that people are just consuming more so there's actually uh you know but more demand than there is supply but what about like uh, supply chain issues for some of the more technical products or maybe even just hardware to put stuff together yeah that's you know and that's been a challenge i mean you know companies had to deal with, you know, I mean, a lot of the bigger companies that deal with global sourcing, that's been kind of thrown out the window because, you know, high priority items will offset some of the other things. You might have a cargo container sitting somewhere full of stuff, but something else is taking precedent over that. So that's caused some problems. Um, And then there's been labor issues because a number of companies have switched to, you know, work at home or they've kind of had to, downsize their, you know, on-facility staff, make changes to the way they do operations. So that's been a problem. Um, I know that some companies have tried to put on some extra work shifts and reduce the number of people in any one given shift so they can keep up with the product line, but not have so many people in one location at one time. Um, uh, you know, I've talked to several people and basically they're saying we just we take a week by week. Every Monday we get up and it's like a whole new world and we just see where we're at. Derek, how do you see for folks that went and bought something uh, from a cooker standpoint this year? Does the knowledge base that you have built over the years say that these folks will not be in the market again next year or in two years? It, it might be done for I mean, what? Do you have any idea, like how uh, how long a person would keep a throwaway ish type grill, or is that really just dependent on how often they're using it? Uh, yeah, it does have something to do with how often they use it. Uh, for a lot of you know lower end products, particularly like gas grills, and I think in a lot of the lower end pellet grills, we're going to see a, a relatively high replacement cycle runs, I mean, for gas grills on the bottom end, it usually runs around four to five years on the replacement cycle there. I I don't really have a good feel for where it is with, you know, kind of the under thousand dollar pellet grill market, particularly the, you know, when we get below 700, I think that has a relatively high replacement cycle. So, uh, but that kind of basically comes back and it says, you know, if a lot of people really bought, you know, those products this year, that replacement cycle is out to 2025, Yeah, you know? So it, it, it could be a downturn on some of them for quite a while, but, you know, again, it's just kind of like, I've got to wait and see how this is going to play out. Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com joining me. Uh, let me ask you this last question here before I let you go, Derek. Do you cover your grills? 
uh, yeah, generally. I mean, I I have to tell you, I had quite a uh, back and forth with Meathead, who made it a point to tell me that his $3,000 Mac grill, he does not, on purpose, put a cover on, nor does he cover any of his other grills, and further bolstered his point by saying that these are items that should be able to be placed outside and stand up to the weather, and there there should be no ill effects. Uh, my take was, of course, why wouldn't I spend the extra few bucks to put something over it because I know where I live. Maybe it makes it a little bit more aesthetically pleasing a little bit longer, uh, but at least I'm keeping it out of some kind of element. I'm not you know, putting them in a storage locker or in my garage. They stay outside on a patio or a deck, but All at right. least there's some kind of cover. Like, What's your thought on that whole thing? Well, you know, I, I thought about it for a long time, and you know, um, when I'm getting in test products and stuff like that, do I want to cover? Do I want to go out and get the extra cover for it, and then you know, try and deal with it that way? And you know, what is the average consumer doing? My take is that for most people, they don't cover. They just don't really think about it. You know, I mean, there's something to be said for it's an outdoor product. I will make sure that you know anything I get in. I leave out and let it get rained on hmm. um, because I want to see how much water gets inside, you know, or if it doesn't rain, which it, you know, might not do for August, uh, <laughs> I'll put a sprinkler on it and I'll just, you know, let it soak oh. water over it for a good half an hour because I, I mean, I've had grills that will literally just fill up with water and others that they're perfectly fine with that. Uh, but if it, if water's getting inside, to me that's a that's a big negative for that product, and um, because that's what's going to kill it. Yeah. But you know, for the most of the stuff that I have that you know that that I live with for a long period of time, uh, yeah, I'll put covers on it. Um, particularly if the manufacturer sends me a cover. Why not? Why not at least put the cover to the test too? Then right. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that too. It's like, you know, manufacturers have covers and you should test out those as well. And so, you know, some covers are just awful. They're just plastic bags. Some of them are really good. So I do that sort of thing. But, you know, if I'm going, if, if I've got a cooker out there that I need to be able to like, oh, I'm, you know, I need to test something on or I want to shoot video on or something like that. I don't want to go out there and find it's got six inches of water in it and I've got to go through and clean all this stuff out and, uh, yeah, cover your grills, please. Just your grills and smokers should be covered, people. A yeah, little respect for the grills. Come on. We're talking with Derek Riches yeah. from DerekRiches.com. Derek, always appreciate the time, and we will look for you again in September. All right. Talk to you then. All right. There he is, Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. Make sure that if you have not been over there, you check him out and see what he's writing and reviewing and all the good stuff. Not sure exactly what the technical glitch was getting in there, but I, I, I know that nothing, nothing didn't not change. Is that right? They couldn't have been the same settings. I mean, you, you, we, you backed out and whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, let me talk to you quickly. You know what? I'll save it. I'll save it for the second hour. I got some other things that I didn't get to in the open that I want to get to. Uh, thanks again to Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. 
Make sure that you're reading him, and you can find him here on the first Tuesday, uh, sorry, of the fourth Tuesday of every month. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard and Fireboard 2. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or via the Bluetooth's. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck. Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com to stock up now. Also, they have a new backlight, sleep, and dark mode option on the app. And they also just came out with a new nozzle adapter for kettle-style grills and smokers. But that... I'll just mute that music here for one second, pal, as I get ready. I got some emails through last week. This one from Mike from Wisconsin. Exceptionally fabulous. Greg, Stephen Reichlin is such a snob. Did you hear him and how he said sangria last week? Come on. No one says that. Okay, well, I didn't notice, but I went back and pulled the clip. And here's what he said. But, you know, I grill fruit all the time to make cocktails. Uh, when I make sangria, I grill the oranges, the lemon. Come on, Mike. Sangria? You got a problem with sangria? But, you know, I grill fruit all the time to make cocktails. Right. Uh, when I make sangria, I grill the oranges, the lemon. Mike, if you look at how, as you would say, sangria is spelled, I can make an argument that he said it exactly right. As a matter of fact, I will make the argument... That I will not even question how Stephen Reichlin pronunciates or enunciates anything, pronounces or announces anything. If he says sangria, that is the right way to say it, Mike. You should adopt it. Don't worry about sangria and sounding like a snob. Say sangria. Say it right. Mike, let me ask you this. Or let me tell you this. While I didn't notice your sangria issue, I did notice that Stephen dropped an overt sexual reference on this show last week. And if you missed it or you didn't catch it, here you go. None of this grilling it in the husk. All that happens when you do that is you steam it. And, you know, it's like an intimate act with a protective membrane. Best if you can avoid it. That's right. What? <laughs> oh, my. Anybody else get that last week? That was something else. Also, many of you emailing me saying that I said Hawaii was surrounded by Great Lakes. Here's that clip. As Lance would tell you if he could. They get plenty of moisture over there, my friend. Well, they're surrounded by Great it's Lakes. It's a freaking island. That's a joke. Get that big out of here. Guys, leave the comedy to the professionals. That's me. Oh... 
Wait a second. No, 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 no. Let's just relax. Here we go. Leave the comedy to me. I know that Hawaii is not surrounded by Great Lakes, but that's what makes it funny. You know what's not funny? What I have to explain the jokes. Come on. All right, we're headed to the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.